Thank you for coming to worship your God today. Any guests that are here, we welcome you, of course. And of course, if you're watching on our simulcast, thank you. We're beginning a new series on Joseph. Seems that Bubba has something to say about Joseph. See, they're already groaning out there. (laughs) And that's how Bubba didn't get the job. It seems that the new dispatcher for the police department in Bubbaville put out the word they needed a person to be able to be quick, smart, on the ball to dispatch orders to the police. Bubba thought he'd apply for the job, and he did. The problem was the exams for all the applicants was was an oral exam because, of course, that's what you'll be doing. You'll get some news. You've got to dispatch it quickly to the officers. Went through a series of questions, and Bubba had his turn. He finally came up to him. Everyone else is dismissed. He's sitting in there. Say, Bubba, we're going to ask you one more question. We're down to a few candidates. See if you can answer this question. How would you answer it? They said, Bubba, a cement mixing truck and a prison bus collided on the highway, and all the prisoners escaped. What would you dispatch to all of our officers and citizens out there in the community? Well, I'd say be on the lookout for a group of hardened criminals. (laughs) I know, it's pathetic, but anyway... (laughs) He didn't get the job. But the bottom line is we're talking about something that's hardened today is worse than a hardened criminal. Because if you have a hardened heart, you have a problem. Today's message dealing with the study of Joseph, by the way, Joseph takes up approximately one-third of the book of Genesis. The study of Joseph talks about hardened hearts, and it talks about jealous hearts. It talks about God's providence. We're going to be on an incredible journey through the book of Genesis from chapters 37 through 50. So today we'll make a start. There's some basis that we have to lay down to see all that's going to take place subsequent to the initial start. So let's get right into this thing today. Joseph, and as we do, ask you a question since we just spent some time in worship before God. Total praise. Is there something hidden in your heart that's concealed in there that you know is there that God wants you to get out? Well, it says in Genesis 37, verses 1, 2, and 3, Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob. It says Joseph was a young man of 17, so we know how old he was, tending the flocks with his brothers and his sons Billa and sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought their, excuse me, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel, who is Jacob, by the way, Jacob's name changes from Jacob, which means chiseler, to Israel, prince of God. You can, every time you see the L on there, you know that it's talking about God. That's God's office, Elohim. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because He had been born to him in his old age, and he made him a richly ornamented robe, or ornamented robe for him. So we see a dynamic that most people in this room are familiar with. There is a a Broadway play, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dream Robe. Is that it? And uh, 
got this crazy looking robe with all these colors on. That is not necessarily biblically accurate, by the way, the way they show that. But nonetheless, they're trying to do something with it. I get it. It says Israel loved what? Joseph more than any of his other sons. Every parent seeks to try and be impartial. Let me just say this. Even when you try your best, if you try your best, sometimes even your best intention can get misinterpreted. Am I right? It just happens. It gets misinterpreted. But he loved them. It says he was the child of his old age, and therefore there's some great things that happen when you get older. It's why grandparents have that bumper sticker on the back of their car. If I knew grandchildren were this great, I would have had them first, right? And so... Joseph there in his old age, no doubt, to have a, this child that came along in his older age, a little toddler, to sit with him and be with him. By this time, there was nothing to prove uh, from, through his kids. He wouldn't go into their ball game and say, beat that guy, kill him. He just took the, his son for who he was, loved on him, had him with Rachel. Also, no doubt, impacted him. But didn't say he didn't love the other sons. He just loved him more than any other sons. And you can try, and you don't have to answer this question, but there's some family members, maybe even your own children, you may love a little bit more than the others. It's not that you don't love them. There's some you love, you really love. And no doubt, Joseph was a blessing to his father. His father made this richly ornamented robe for him. This richly ornamented robe, when you translate this idea for ornamentation, is the Hebrew word, just three letters, P-A-S, pas, or pas. Um, it has its meaning um, to the palm of the hand and to the sole of the foot. That's primarily the emphasis of what this is saying in the Word of God. This robe went to the palm of the hand, the sole of the foot, i.e. It's a robe that those who don't have to work out in the fields and do manual labor like royalty would wear. And it was probably variegated. It probably had some different, as they were hand-looming everything back in that day and time, it may have had some other colors and everything included in it. It was primarily the length of that that gave this understanding that you're not going to have to be out there doing some of the things that other people do. And it's actually probably a prophetic thing that happened to him because we see in Joseph's life this whole issue is about, you see, all this is going to start And that's how the fight started. All this is going to start over some clothing and a dream. It's going to start over that. What's going to start? Well, we'll see. The bottom line is, it says he brought his father a bad report about them. Sometimes Joseph gets a bad report. He was a tattletale. He shouldn't have done that. He was a tattletale. He was a snitch. Some of you may have gotten accused of doing that. But let me say this to you. If your parents need to know something that's important about their other children or something going on, that's not a bad thing to let them know so they can help. Because I'm going to tell you what this word bad means. In the Hebrew, it's just simply two letters, R-A, chra, and it means wretched or evil, mischief. His brothers were doing some things out there because they were out of the father's sight, out of the sight, and thought, we can get away with this. And we don't know, the Bible doesn't say what they were doing, but there was a group of men alone out there with some sheep and people wandering through that. We didn't know what they were doing. 
but it wasn't any good. And Joseph loved his father enough, respected him enough, and he loved his brothers enough to know that his father could speak truth into their lives. Dad, here's what's happening out there. And you see, in that day and time, it's important today, but of course, back then, extremely. People knew where you, who you were and where you came from. And to carry Jacob's name, Israel's name, into disrepute, to carry it in that way was very offensive. And it was an awful thing. So Joseph goes back, and no matter if the brothers were doing something, he comes back and lets them know. Well, like people with a really good heart, the brothers were very glad their father found out they could be corrected, right? Listen, look at what the Word of God says in Proverbs 9, 8. Do not rebuke a mocker, or he will hate you. Some of you are hated for speaking the truth in this room, right here. Some of you have handled the states. You've been executors. And there's some siblings or family members that may hate you. Some in the workplace, people may hate you for what you stand for. In universities, high schools, they mock it. They mock it. Oh, you guys are the ones who believe in Jesus and you hate everybody. No, we don't. We love everybody. But the bottom line, just because you love someone doesn't mean you can't correct them or say, you know what, this, this is what the Bible calls sin and we believe the Bible. You can still love a person even though they're doing something you totally disagree with. You can still love them. You may not respect what they do, but you can love them. In fact, when God found me, I wouldn't live in the way I should be living, period. God can do some great things. And so, Word of God says, don't rebuke a mocker. He will what? Hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Do you know why? A young person in particular, listen carefully. If someone loves you enough to help set you straight, that's a blessing. If they love you enough to put their relationship on the line to tell you the truth and speak truth into you, you ought to love that person, right? Bless them. Boy, I've got something up here. It's a piece I have to, I would have never guessed it, but I've got it on the bottom here. This is, anyone know what kind of tree this comes from? Probably couldn't guess. This. It's buckeye. This is buckeye burl. Maybe there's some... Um, Ohio State. Any Ohio State fans out there? Okay. Look, they're not even ashamed of it. No, that's right. That's good. God bless you. No, it's a problem. Listen, you don't want to know what my teams do. They're pathetic. Anyway, um, this is from a buckeye tree, and it's burl. comes from the root. And someone put this together. I Don't even ask me how. I love to work with wood. In fact, I reached the classification when I was working in union carpentry of a master union carpenter, a finished carpenter. I love to do it. My grandfather, I'm named after, was a cabinet maker from the old country, and probably some of that came down some way through me. But this has all kinds of pieces that go together. Someone said, I want to see you try and get that back together again. Well, I can. It takes me about an hour, but I can do it. So if you'll hang on. Let's see, get that there. This goes in here. This goes on top of, uh, where is it? Here. And this piece kind of locks it in. Pretty cool, isn't it? Now, remind, this, this is cut out of one piece of wood. This probably took more than 30 minutes to make this whole thing, right? <laughs> this comes out. This slides across. This re- comes out of here. Cut out of the same piece of wood. And inside this little one, which is crazy that someone's even thinking of this, inside of this little one, is this one that pulls out. Isn't that crazy? 
but I'll show you something even crazier. I didn't know, even though it's on the, written on the bottom to tell you, this had a secret compartment past that. It was concealed. I opened this up several times. This slides all the way to the back of this. And when you pull out that last piece, you would never know it. This tiny little thing, there it is up there, it's so tiny you can barely see it, right? Fits back there. It's concealed where no one could see it. And I missed it until I finally discovered, wait a minute, that's all the way back there. Pretty cool. I may try and make one of those when I'm, if God lets me live to be 140, I have nothing else to do. I'm showing you that to talk about the dynamic of concealment. You see, every person in here has a thought life and a heart that they can hide things in. A lot of it is to be good, and it is good. But the Word of God warns us about harboring sin in our heart. And what happened in this particular family, it's a dynamic that can exist in anyone's heart. It was concealment in their heart of jealousy, envy, strife. It was concealed there. And the problem with concealment is many times the person that's concealing it even, isn't even aware because it's concealed that it's showing to others. But when you have a secret sin in there, it comes out and it expresses itself in different ways. And these brothers happen to have a dynamic that I just said, jealousy, envy. Genesis 34, 4 through 5. When the brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they thought, well, dad loves us too. No. The Bible says they hated him. Why would you hate Joseph? Well, it wasn't his fault. Wasn't his dynamic. He said, would you please love me more than others? Please, 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 please. He hated, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. See, he's telling me something about the heart. And some of you in this room right now can't speak a kind word about someone or find it your business to find something negative about him. Bring the report. But you see, that's a symptom of the heart. Joseph had a dream, and when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. Wow. Lots of stuff going on here. And you see, Joseph... Uh, was probably a little more observant of their father than probably the other brothers were. Other brothers were out doing their stuff, and Joseph probably just cared more about the parent. And sometimes that happens. There's people just more observant about a parent and care more about it. Joseph saw that, and he loved them. Joseph didn't take advantage of it. He loved his father, wanted to bless his father, and probably taking good care of him in his old age, as it was his father in his old age. Joseph's 17 at this point. Loves his father. And so, we have something. The fuse is lit. They hated him. The fuse is lit because jealousy is a monster. When it's hidden in the heart, you're jealous of another ministry, another person, another student, of someone else dating someone that you should be dating, of grade someone else got, of part of the inheritance you should have received, of a promotion you should have had, the da 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 of one spouse is like more perhaps than the other one or your perception, the, whatever it is, it can hide in the heart and it's a monster. It is a monster. The stage is set with jealousy and envy boiling in their hearts and it didn't begin there. You can go all the way back to the first parents who had a couple of kids, Cain and Abel. Jealousy between that Cain had for Abel. You can go back again, look at Saul and David. Saul killed his thousands, David his tens of thousands. Saul wanted to end up, want, wanted to do what to him? He 
wanted to kill him. He throws a spear at him. He's after him, trying to kill him. Just from a little, a little sin concealed in the back of the heart that manifested itself. And of course, no greater example of jealousy than Jesus and the Pharisees. You can see the motif through the Word of God of people that let a sin be harbored in their heart, didn't deal with it. And you see, the Pharisees should have been embracing Jesus. They should have looked at the Scripture he taught about like a lot of the other people did and said, wow, man, we've been off base on this whole thing. Maybe the way we look at Sabbath is a little bit legalistic. Wink, wink. Maybe what we do is wrong. Let's listen. No, they were jealous of him because people started to follow after him. And Jesus was bad for business. He was bad for business in the temple because didn't, they didn't like him look, going around the temple and calling it a den of thieves. That's probably not a compliment. If they call your church a den of thieves, it's not a compliment. Don't receive it in that way. And so the Word of God says that he said to them, listen to this dream that I had. We were bringing abiding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose up and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around me and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, Do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. So there's a problem that's brewing. The fire started. It's going to be ugly. And the bottom line was, God sent Joseph the dream. He's just telling him. Here's this dream I had. Going to hate somebody for their dream? Every day, somebody may hate you for the dream you have. Dream about them coming to Christ. Dream about a different kind of world. A dream about a ministry. Dream about whatever you dream about. But it's from God, and people will try and destroy that dream and get jealous of it. Who do you think you are to think so grand a thing? Who, who are you to put this building over here. I saved an article I told it last hour from a publication when this building was going up that was saying, who do they think they are to put this here? Well, we're sinners saved by grace and thought, you know what? Maybe there's people in our city. If we can build something where we can have a place for lots of people to come worship, that'd be a good thing. So we'll take out of our millions of dollars of savings that all our members have and just bring a little bit and get it done. People didn't buy purchase cars for several years. They didn't go on vacation or went on more creative vacations via car and close by. We had a couple of people that stopped paying off cemetery plots to put that towards this and trusted God they'd live to pay them off. And by the way, they did. And children brought money for bricks. Why? Because all through the week, this room is used for Bible study fellowship. It's used for meetings and worship. It's used for celebration of life service. It's used for for people to come in. We do feeding the 5,000. When we do athletic, lots of different things. This building belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. We're not proud of our building. It's God. God owns way better stuff than this. We just want to use it for him. Whether it's a warehouse or a building, I like being able to have climate control when it's raining, don't you? We thought we'd put a roof on it. And have electricity and a really good sound system that, (laughs) right, Scott? He's got it back. So all those things. Do you intend to reign over us, dreamer? Do you intend to reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream. Next slide. 
Then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this, and this time, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. Mother, father, and all the brothers. How do you think that's going to work? All right? How is that working? When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His so we're, why, are you, why do you keep talking about jealousy, Pastor? Let me just let you look at the Word of God in verse 11. You can look at it. His brothers were, say it out loud, jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. It's given a Hebraic idiomatic type of idea. The father didn't totally blow this out of the water. So I'm going to keep this in mind. He's telling us something that could be of God, that could be something that's coming from him. But his brothers were jealous of him. Why couldn't I have a dream like that? Who does he think he is? Someone ever said to you, who do you think you are? There's great answers for that. I won't tell you all of them, but there's some that are good, some not as good, right? So what takes place? What's this dream that you had? Note, God prepared Joseph for the future through his dream. Note, when you look at Joseph's dream, it doesn't say you're going to be sold into slavery. Your brothers want to kill you. You're going to do the right thing and be punished for it in Potiphar's house. In fact, you're going to prison. Doesn't tell him any of that. And you see, what we want in our human spirit many times is to know all the future. Don't we? I wonder what the biopsy is going to say. I wonder if I'll get the job. I wonder when I graduate where I'll be going. I wonder if so-and-so will date so-and-so. I wonder if so-and-so likes me. I wonder if I'm going to do whatever. We have so many things to wonder about. And many times what God does is give us a dream. It is the dream of every believer that one day when we leave this earth, we go to be with Christ in heaven. Now, it's not a false dream. It's the reality of the dream, isn't it? And people want to rob that from you and from me every single day. Well, there's many ways to that. Jesus even in a way the Bible's not right, God, whatever. But that's the hope and dream of every believer that we have. And, but God doesn't tell you that when you become a believer that everything's going to be okay, does he? He says, I'm going to put this out there for you. Never lose sight of that because along the way, there's going to be trials and tribulation and trouble because this is a fallen earth. And so God gives Joseph this dream. He doesn't include all the other details for that because Joseph needed something to sustain him when he knew God promised this dream and it's going to happen. So I'll do what's right when I'm sold by my brothers, by my own flesh and blood. I'll do what's right when I can have uh, a physical relationship with someone anytime I want it. I'll do what's right when I'm thrown into prison. Joseph had a dream and he didn't let someone else rob it. Don't let someone rob your dream. Don't let them do that to you. If God's given you a dream, live it on out. Now, Bottom line is, his father kept the matter in his mind, which I said, Jacob, Israel, doesn't blow it on off. Next slide. You can see the journey that Joseph gets sent upon when he's asked to leave to go be with his brothers. They're down here, down here in Hebron area, right down in here in Beersheba. He goes up to Shechem, about 40, 50 miles. When he gets there, which we'll see in the next passage, the brothers are not there. Now, in the middle of, a t- of, a, of, of nowhere, 
When you have no cell phone, I think, were the cell phones after that or before? I'm trying to think. Just Genesis 37. After that. There's no cell phones another way. They're going to bump into someone, listen carefully, by coincidence that knows where the brothers are. So he goes to Shechem. The brothers aren't there. This guy they see says, no, I think I overheard them saying this is crazy, isn't it? They want to go up to Dothan. Now talk about God's providence. When you begin to doubt God working in your life, how is this going to work now? I went there. They're not there. They went up to Dothan. Dothan happens to be in the middle of the way to the sea, the Via Mars, the way that's the biggest trade route to Egypt. Who's going to eventually end up in Egypt? And see, we don't know why they left there when they went up there, except by God's providence. They're right along the trade route for that to take place. Pretty cool, isn't it? God's smart, isn't he? Genesis 37, 17, and 18. So as we look at this passage, it says, as Joseph goes up there and meets this man, they have moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. Think about the extraordinary timing it would take for a person to have overheard this at that exact moment so Joseph could even go there so that when a Midian, when this caravan's coming through, it would all coincide exactly right. Don't underestimate God or ever sell him short. But also I want you to look and see at the devastation that a sin hidden in the heart can bring about. They moved on from here, he tells them. Let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him at the distance. And before he reached them, this is premeditated. There's all kinds of sins. There's some sins that happen just spuriously. Something happened and you say something or you hit your fist at. There's some that just happens spuriously. There's another sin that's a premeditated sin. It's the plotting of sin. I'll meet her or I'll look at this when no one's there or I'll put this filter on. There's premeditated sin. And oftentimes in the human spirit, we dare to think no one else saw that. No one sees what I'm thinking. No one else, I've, I've got this thing all figured out except for one thing. God always, God, man looks on the outside, God looks at the heart. If there's something hidden in your heart in that secret place, it's not like me looking at it and saying, you know, I, oh, I didn't even know that was there. God knows it's there. And it is dangerous to have something hidden in the heart. Before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. You ask yourself why. There's lots of different answers you can go through. And we could go through this whole congregation. Everyone listening on a simulcast, you'd say, well, because of this, 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 and this, and this. It was Jacob's fault. It was this fault. It was that fault. Can I tell you something? When I sin, it's my fault. And when you sin, it's your fault. I'm not allowed to come back and say, well, because they sinned, then I can sin even more. I'll get them back. We had someone in our in the church I was serving in, in Texas. I've told this before. When you go to the family reunions, there were a couple of people that always verbally sparred and fought. If you're around the table, pass the potato salad, pass the fried chicken. And if you were sitting near these two people, they got the name from the family. They simply call them, shut up, no, you shut up. There were the two of them. That's what they did. Shut up and you, no, you shut up. Now, there's some people that just have that nature within them to not let something go. But why did they plot to kill him? What's all that about? Well, it's a lot there. 
Bring up the next slide. Let's continue to look at that. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. See, that's a really cynical remark. It's not made, wow, here comes that dreamer. It's, yeah, he's a, yeah, what a dreamer. We even use that phrase, they look, they're dreaming. Man, I'd like to one day play in, in Major League Baseball. What a dreamer they are. They can't even make the, the junior high team, right? But it's out of the heart that comes cynicism. To douse some water on the dream, on the vision, on the heart of someone else. Cynicism comes out. Here he comes. Look what the Word of God says, by the way. Bring up that passive, if you would. In Psalm 2.1, why do the nations conspire and people plot in vain? They're going to start. They already plotted in vain. Before Joseph ever reaches them, they plotted to kill him. Premeditated. Dear friend, let me just say to you right now, if there's something premeditated in your heart right now, Deal with it before you leave this place. A premeditated sin has a little more, there's a little more weightiness to that than something that's more spurious. None of them are good. But when it's premeditated, God Almighty sees you putting something together that's looking to trip up someone else. You don't have to ask a series of other questions to get to the main thing. Ask the main thing first. Don't go through a circuitous way to try and trap someone or trick someone. Did you da-da-da-da-da when you're trying to get to there? Ask the question and be forthright. In Genesis 37, 20, Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. The animals ought to suit him. Anti-defamation league for animals. Say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. See? We'll kill him and we'll say that an animal got him out. Dad, we're so sorry. When you see people being sorry about something they're not sorry for, it's pathetic, isn't it? We're sorry. You know? Works of a jealous heart. Come now, let's kill him. Not only do you become cynical when you're hiding something in your heart, you can become a murderer. It doesn't have to be through physical death. You can murder people with slander. You can murder them with lies. You can murder them with the, with the kinds of things that hurt their reputation. But this was physical murder. Psalm 29.10 says, Bloodthirsty men hate a man of integrity and seek to kill the upright. It happens every single day. Starts with that sin in the heart, that little hidden place, and grows and grows and grows, and it becomes cynical. It gets involved in lies, defamation of character, and that's what you see happen. Next, next slide, please. Thank you. Works of a jealous heart. And say a ferocious animal devoured him. When you're plotting something, you have to think of things that look good like a good lie. What's a good lie we can go back and tell dad? A ferocious animal devoured him. Bring up the next slide because we'll see what uh, works of a heart bring out. You become a liar. You see, when the devil gets you to do one sin, it's never one sin. He always helps you to create the next sin to cover it up, doesn't he? When you do one, there's got to be something else to cover up. Man, I can't believe I did that to the car. I got dented on the side. No one's noticed it yet. Did you do that to the car? No, we only went straight there and straight back. Thank you. There's someone that knows what I'm talking about. That's what happened. I'll never forget the night. Uh, Came back, woke up the next day, got into the van. And crazily, we saw footprints on the dashboard. 
Mine are very obvious. They're, they wouldn't fit on the dashboard, but we knew someone got in this van and used it. Someone who didn't have a license, one of the children we bore did that. <laughs> Driving around with friends without a license in our van. We were sorely displeased. <laughs> that day we didn't, we preferred one over the other. That, anyway, but it's, part, it's, it's all part of the stupidity. You have to, one sin and create another sin, which creates another sin. And it's great. No, we didn't take it out. Well, see this sneaker? This looks exactly like your sneaker print on this thing. That's amazing. God did a miracle and put it right on that dashboard. He could turn water to wine and put footprints on a dashboard. Isn't God something? You see, Proverbs 27, 4 says, Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Is there something hidden in your heart? That when you begin to search, it may not even be obvious to you now. You see, because when hidden sins are hidden, many times they're hidden from the person that's involved in it because they feel justified in them. Something hidden in your heart. Envy, jealousy, strife of some kind. Well, then we'll see what happens to his dream. How ironic. I've shared this before, and it's a wonderful, wonderful advice that I got from a wonderful elderly woman in the first um, ministry setting I was in years ago. I was in my 20s. Name, I still remember her name. And when I was in my 20s, that's like before Moses, right, about 100 years ago. But I remember visiting her in the hospital, and she said to me something I've used in here before, she said, Pastor Joe, let me just tell you one thing. And she was elderly. I mean, she was up there. She said, always make your words sweet because one day you may have to eat them. I mean, I still remember that, right? Don't always practice that, but what she said was true. But I try to. It's important. Don't want to be saying a lot of things that hurt the nature and slander someone else's character. I want to hurt their nature. Now, here's the bottom line. Here's the words they said. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Let me say this to you right now for all of you Josephs out there that may have some dreams. Because it may not look right now since your dream is out there and you have that vision what that can be, whatever that is. There's people who always come along and want to dash it in front of you. And the people that come can't even see the road there. In fact, some have plotted, you're not going to get that raise. You're not getting that promotion. You're not finishing first in your class. You'll not get that guy, that girl. You'll not have that happen in your sky high school. You'll never be elected to that. That'll never happen for you. You'll never have that ministry. On and on and on. There's so much negative in that that you can't take the land, Joshua and Caleb. There's always been, there always will be. But people who believe and trust in God will get past that negativism and trust God. That's what sustained Joseph to the start of this whole message, this whole series. That's what sustained him through this whole thing. God gave him the dream. He knew God would fulfill it. So let's go back to what I just said. Then we'll see what happens to his dreams. Little did they ever know. Little as crazy as it is. Think about this. They're jealous because of a, of a royal robe. And who gets, they, and they took it, didn't they? They rip it up, put blood on it. Then what will come of his dreams? Little could they ever know that exactly what God said would happen did happen. And you thought you were jealous of a coat that your dad gave you? Wait till you see one 
that the leader of the world puts on your brother, sir. Wait till you see how God and his providence brought all these other things for the good. So, dear friend, listen carefully. God's providence is at work today. It may not look like it's getting there, and God can take some circuitous ways to get there. You may go through a chimney, a back door, a tunnel, but God will get you where you need to go. Have the integrity to follow him. And if there's something hidden in your heart today, as pastors come forward, this is a day to deal with it as we embark on this journey with Joseph. This is a day to say, God, I've got this. It's not that, but I've got something else hidden in my heart. But many times it's jealousy. Wish I would sing like that. Well, why does that person get to sing? Why does that person get to preach or lead or teach or serve on this committee or do this at work or be this, whatever it is. If we don't have something, we can make up something. God says, stop it. I know you and I love you and I can take care of you if you will let me. It may not look like it now, but I would tell you, jealousy is not called the green-eyed monster for nothing. And there's people always willing to seize power, seize position. They'll always be. And people that will try and claw to pull you down so they can get up. That'll always be. Let God be the promoter of your life. Let him be your sustainer. Let the dream that he's called you, his child, be enough to sustain you. If he is, then who's taking care of you? You'll either believe you've got to do it totally or you're going to trust God while you practice due diligence. What's it going to be? You must believe in God's providence. He'll take care of you. Then what will happen, old so-and-so? My father, bless his heart, after I came to a relationship with Jesus Christ, said I was going to go study the Bible. He said, son, you're going to starve to death. That's what he said. How do I look? <laughs> I should have said it better. Do I look like I starved? I'm going to ask how I look. I didn't. He, he, he meant it. And please, I, this, I love my father. Said, how are you going to go do something with that? How? God has taken care of me. He's taken care of you. You've got to come to him on his terms with a humble heart. He will bless you. You don't have to have all the answers. And yeah, you can slip and fall and God's still there for you. But he's looking for people of honesty and integrity. When you think about the life of Joseph, there's a recurring theme. It's integrity. So if there's something in your heart, God sees it now. And I can tell you this. The enemy himself wants free rent in your brain to disregard it. I'll put that off till tomorrow. I haven't finished with that yet. Let me think about it. If you're thinking about it, you're sinning even worse. Because the Holy Spirit of God brought it to your mind. You don't want to deal with it. Why lie to God? Today is the day. I'm going to ask you in a moment, if you have something like that, hidden in that heart, come. This is people did last hour. Just deal with it. Pray alone or pray with one of our pastors or deacons. They would love to do that. Am I right? We love it. It's going to stay there. You see, when you bring it, it's like a sacrifice. Bring your tithes and offerings to the storehouse. Bring your requests. Bring your prayers. We love to hear from you and pray with you. We get it. We're with you. If you don't have a church home yet, we'd love for you to come and make Lawndale Baptist Church your church home. Every believer needs a church home. And if you don't have this one, Find another one where the Bible is taught and believed and salvation is only through Christ. But we'd love for you to come. We have a new members class they're meeting today. Another one will start up again soon. Love for you to be part of it. You can come today, though, as a candidate for membership. We'd love for you to come if Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior. And 
the best thing anyone could ever do is to come to a decision that goes to the God of the universe and agrees on how to get to heaven on his terms. Humanly speaking, there's a tendency in our world, and there always has been, that people get to heaven some way that mankind works his way there. Jesus Christ came so, well, because we couldn't. We can't work our way to heaven. Christ paid our way. You may be good. You may think you got it all figured out. You may think very disrespectfully you have an understanding with the man upstairs. He's not a man. He's God. He spoke things into existence we can't even understand or comprehend to the fullest sense or even the minutest sense. And that God who created the trees hung on a tree, a cross. He was nailed to the cross. He bled and died, but nails didn't hold him to the cross. His love for you and me did because he paid our penalty for sin because heaven is a perfect place and no sin can enter into heaven. Heaven's not for good people. It's for people who've been given a perfection by Jesus Christ. Christ rose from the grave three days later and offers you today the gift of eternal life. And friend, you can never say, God didn't let me know about that. I'm not trying to sell religion, sell our denomination, sell myself. I want you to understand Jesus already did it for you. I want you to believe in a Savior, not a system. He died for you because he loved you and is offering you the gift of eternal life today. Is that becoming Christian? Yes, the Holy Spirit will come to live inside of you. Then, then, then you live the Christian life. Not to be saved to go to heaven, but because you are. You live it out of gratitude because of what Christ has already done. You'll never serve better. You'll never give more for love. What you won't do, you'll do for love. And that's the relationship God wants with us, a love relationship. I'm going to ask you to stand. Don't wait with your decision. You come forward. Bring it here. We want to hear from you today.